Well, good morning. You know the old saying, what uh, happens in Cabo stays in Cabo. <laughs> Ray Dean said, amen. Hey, well, it is great to be with you today. It's been 11 years since I've been actually with the family. And I, I feel more than just a guest speaker. I feel like this is family to me. Um, I can go as far as to admit the fact that I did have hair back then. They were only two hairs. They were both 14 feet long, and I just kind of swooped them on the top of my head, and I thought it was time for them to go. <laughs> but yeah, it's so good to be here. How many love your pastors, by the way? Come on. Um, I get the wonderful privilege of being around lots of leaders and people, and I think that they're two of the most genuine loving, pure-hearted leaders, pastors that I've ever met in my life. And I say this genuinely, if I lived here, they would be my pastors. Come on, they're that kind of people. Come on, put your hands together one more time for your pastors. Come on, let's go. And you know, J.O. had mentioned that we've known each other for 28 years, and I'm sure you remember this, J.O., but um, I was traveling with a ministry called Christian Equippers, and um, the ministry at that time um, was always struggling financially, and so we had to travel more simply because we didn't have the finances. And this one encounter that we had in Boise, Idaho, he was there at Capital Christian Center. I remember coming into the, to the meeting. And um, I was so embarrassed, to be honest, because uh, one of my shoes on the way there, the, the sole had come undone on my shoe. Uh, yeah, and um, I felt really embarrassed about it, you know, and I was trying to walk in a way that it, it didn't clunk. And um, I remember talking to him, and, and he looked at me in the eyes, and again, brother to brother, he says, you know, Mark, he says, no pastor should ever have to wear shoes like that. I don't know about you when you're embarrassed and someone speaks into your life, something as little as that. I mean, it was very meaningful for me. And remember when you reached into your pocket and he pulled out a roll of $100 bills with a rubber band around it. And he looked at me and he took the rubber band off and he put the $100 bills back in his pocket. <laughs> and he said, put this around your shoe um, because no pastor should ever have to walk around. So go buy yourself some shoes when you get home. And so... I've been wearing this rubber band now for 28 years. <laughs> Pastor G, I wanted to just, in front of your whole family, just thank you so much. And appreciate you. It's so good. He put it around his shoe. That's so good. I know there's some people go, did that really happen? Well, um, you have to figure that out. So. I also have with me my dear friend, uh, Pastor Walter Madison, a pastor in his own right, leader of leaders. Pastor, would you, Walter, would you stand up and just... Want to honor you as well. So awesome to have you. Um, last night we started a conversation with the uh, 606 crowd talking about making a mark. And we were talking about this idea about why did God place us here on planet Earth? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like why am I here? And does my life matter? Like, am I an accident? Am I insignificant? Am I here just getting by, just trying to plow through life? And it's important for us to understand that every single one of us in this room, that, that we were created specifically by God. You're unique. You're significant. You're not an accident. 
You belong. You're chosen. God had you in mind. There's no one on planet earth like you. And what happens oftentimes is that we get hit by all of the pressures and challenges. So many of them are by the enemy. Some of them we cause ourselves. But what happens is that there is a world at war with us, whether it's the world or the flesh or the devil, that is trying to destroy your identity and your purpose. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. Like if he can't destroy you, he'll just distract you because he doesn't want you to make a mark. And I think about this last season, the last couple of years, I don't know about you. Anybody have, have a tough go over the last couple of years? Anybody have a tough day before? Anybody have a tough week before? And how about a tough season? Come on, hands still going. How many, how many are just having a tough life, right? And it reminds me, and again, I have this picture here of a a one ad or a lost and found ad, it says, can you help me find my best friend? He has one ear and blind in one eye, three legs, noticeable main spots, and answers to the name of Lucky. How many feel like Lucky every once in a while? Life's been tough. You know, if I'm, if I'm really transparent with you, you know, um, I've been in ministry 40 years and Probably just about 20 months ago, I was thinking about quitting. I remember everything that was going on in Portland with 252 days of riots and all the racism that was taking place and the political turmoil and fires. And man, I was just, I went through a really tough time. And I knew, I knew that I was called and I knew that there was a purpose and there was significance to my life, but it was just like, like, I had to ask the question, like, like, God, what are you doing? Like, why is there so much pressure and so much pain and so many challenges? And I'd read scriptures like 1 Peter 4, 12, Think it not strange when fiery trials come upon you, as if some strange thing's happening to you. And I just go, like, I get that here, but I still don't get it here. And I came to the conclusion that God was trying to get me out of the way. If I could be really honest, probably like a lot of us living in this westernized Christianity, we can allow life, our hobbies, our interests, our desires, our passions, our cars, our houses, our bank accounts, our careers, our titles, our entertainment, our toys, to somehow satisfy something in us that was never intended to satisfy. And isn't it just like God to, to just begin to lovingly help us understand that none of those things really matter? Like He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to allow you to stay that way. So He begins to allow or either create trials and tragedies and problems so that we can stop and pause and recognize that we're unique and that we're special and that we're significant. His plans for you are good and not evil. That there is a future and a hope for you. Isn't it good just once in a while just to hear that, to remind ourselves that, listen, we matter. We're not an accident. And so today I want to talk about this idea about making your mark, but I, I want us to put it into the framework of this thought that 
We can't do it on our own. Doesn't matter how talented you are, doesn't matter how kind of career you have, title you have, what you think that you've built on your own. It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by His Spirit that life happens. And so, and there is a figure in, in the Bible, his name's Paul, that I came across, and actually this was one of the scriptures that I found myself kind of meditating in over the last couple years because it had such a profound truth in it that I needed to unlock in my life, not conceptually, but something that I needed to guide my life in. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's Paul. He's writing to the Corinthians, which is people kind of like you and I, and there was a lot of trials and challenges going on. There was a lot of mixtures. He was rebuking them for their lifestyles and maybe some of their complacency and distractions. And he's reminding them about some of the pressures and challenges, not only that he was facing, but they were facing. And he was trying to give us clarity about what does it mean to make our mark. And so he says this in verses 7 through 11. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That was really helpful for me during that season. Like, yeah, you're getting the living snot knocked out of you, but you're going to be okay because I'm with you. He says, you're always caring about in the body the death of Jesus, all of our scars and pains and trials, so that, he's saying, there's a reason behind your pressure and your pain, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. In other words, when we're weak, he's strong. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. There's a purpose behind your pain. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So I want to just talk about this because there's a word in this particular scripture that he, he paraphrases called surpassing power. So if you're taking notes, I'd want to just label our conversation today marked by his power. And this applies to every person in this room, that you were marked by his power. And as I mentioned earlier, and we see that Paul was going through some struggles himself. As he look at his life and the affliction that he was facing, it's interesting that he would say we because he's talking to those around him. He says, we have been afflicted in every way, not some way, not kind of a little bit. He's using words like perplexed and persecuted and struck down and you begin to look at the, the long list of things that Paul went through. Scripture would say that he was a guy that was beaten. He was whipped, shipwrecked, abandoned, misunderstood, flogged, stoned, mobbed, imprisoned, mugged, faced sleeplessness, thirst, and hunger. That guy got beat up. He got beat up and got to go to heaven. And when we look at our world today, we can see that our world is falling apart. 
We look at the existentialism. We look at pluralism. We look at secularism. We look at we're living in a time where narcissism seems to be very rampant in everything around us. We look at division and hatred and strife. Have you ever wondered what the answer to the world's problem is? Have you ever thought about maybe God's placed you in the world to be a catalyst not a separatist, not a conformist, not an antagonist, but to actually be a catalyst, someone that goes in. Maybe the very thing that's in you when he says that the death of Jesus is in us so that the life of Christ in us might manifest itself. It's so easy to just run from the problems, to hide. But that isn't why we're here. We're, we're here to make a mark. And it's so important to understand, once again, that, that we're significant. You know, I, I, I think about the World Series. Imagine a game being tied, ninth inning, seventh game of the series. Three balls, two strikes, bases loaded. Who do you put up to the plate? The bat boy? No, you put your best up to the plate. And I wonder in God's economy as he looks at the world coming to a close and we look at the end times, could it possibly be that you're his best? Could it possibly be that the reason Paul's not here or Peter or Esther or Ruth is because he thought you were the one to clean up and to take care of it, to bring it to a close? Like, do you think of yourself that way? Do we kind of look at ourselves as average or insignificant? See, it's the mindset that this world puts on us to cause us to conform to this world. That's why Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might see exactly what God's called you to be. And really what Paul's saying is this, get your eyes off your jar. He says, we have treasures in jars of clay. What he's basically saying is, let's acknowledge the fact that all of our lives here, that we are housed in a temporal, carnal, fragile, weak, sinful, broken body. You're going to die. Isn't that encouraging, Pastor Mark? You're just going to die. Like your body's like this jar of clay. It's weak, it's fragile, it cracks. But he says, listen, what you got to do is you have to look at the treasures within the jars of clay. And he's saying, there's something in you. That there's something priceless, there's something eternal. That when, if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, he says that the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you. The very nature of God is housed in you. And so often we think of this and we forget that and we wonder why. We struggle and why there's fear and why there's insecurity. I always say people that deal with stress or fatigue or weariness and all of those things in a carnal sense, it's simply because they have their eyes focused on the wrong thing. Is not the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Did Paul not say that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you? Did it not say that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? 
Paul continually reminds us that we have these treasures. And so what God's trying to help us of where we're at today, if we're going to make a mark, if we're going to live up to, the, to our full potential, we have to realize that the solution is the surpassing power of the Holy Spirit that resides within you. And as you look at the scripture, I just want to unpack some of the Greek words here to kind of help us understand the depth of what Paul's trying to communicate to you and me in this hour. Once again, this was very meaningful to me over these last 20 months as I begin to unpack these thoughts and remind myself even after 40 years of ministry that I have a treasure in me. And you look at these two words, the word surpassing in the Greek simply means extraordinary beyond measure and limitless. Like the treasure that God has placed in you, the Holy Spirit, He's limitless. He's the God of all flesh. There's nothing too difficult for Him. He can grow bananas on telephone poles. Like He can, he can grow spark plugs on cactus plants. He's God. And by the way, He resides in you. The limitless power of God resides in you. And the word power, which is the word dunamis, it shows up 120 times in the New Testament. It's where we get the word dynamite. So it's not just limitless power, but it's explosive power. It means strength. It means supernatural ability and inherent power residing in you. And when you put these two words together, this compound phrase actually means this. And I want you just to absorb this because this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to remind us of today. That the, the, the surpassing power is this. The supernatural, extraordinary, limitless strength and power that has been firmly deposited by the Holy Spirit in your life to fully activate God's saving power, not to make you feel good and happy and whole, although that's a byproduct of it, but that the Holy Spirit might work through you to help the broken, hopeless world that is around you. Paul goes on and he, he brings this up multiple times. I just want to read a couple of these scriptures just to drop them in your heart. 120 times we see this phrase or this word dunamis show up in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says this, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with what? Power. Come on, read it with me. Come on. With what? Power. With power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.19.20, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's what? For us who believe in him. How many believe in him? So he's saying this limitless supernatural power is for you. And not only is it for you, but it dwells in you and is to work through you. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He says to the Corinthians, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
He's saying that it wasn't just what I believed, but it was actually in my actions. That as I did life, everywhere that I went, I was being a disease to the devil. I was being a life virus for the kingdom of God. That I was able to lay my head on my pillow at night every day and say, I accomplished something of eternal significance today. That's why I'm here sucking air on planet Earth. And so let's just, let's just look at a couple of these thoughts, and let's just let them settle in our heart. First of all, this is what Paul's saying. His surpassing power is working in us. And he uses this phrase in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have. It's this Greek word that actually means that you own it, that you possess it. Like this isn't, this isn't just something that you try to to pray and hopefully someday, somehow the Holy Spirit will come and touch you. I'm always boggled by the way we as Christians always sing and pray, come Holy Spirit. I'm going, he's already here. Like we don't need to create an atmosphere for him to come in. Like he was here for you even got out of bed. And in fact, he was already in you because he lives in you and will always be in you. The problem isn't that, he's, that he isn't in you. The problem is that we don't recognize that he's in us. And so Paul's going back. He says, stop getting focused on your clay. There's a treasure that's in you. You own it. He possesses you. That, that this is exactly what God says. He says, I'm going to come and forever dwell in you. You always have the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to the Father. I'm sending a helper. He's going to be with you. You're going to do greater works. He's saying that he will always be with you. Pastor Mark, that's so amazing. Amen. Come on. Amen. The Holy Spirit is in you. I love what it says in Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is working what? Within us. But here's where I want to go, and I really believe this is a word for the body of Christ today, especially in this hour in which we're living. I believe we're living on the crest of one of the greatest awakenings in history. I do not want to be a person that misses the day of my visitation. Society has tried everything and everything has failed. And so the Holy Spirit is wanting to remind us what Paul is talking about is it's, it's not just that he comes to dwell in us to comfort us and help us and strengthen us and anoint us. Those are all really important things. But ultimately that we have enough surplus where God is working so much in our lives that we begin to be a light to the world and we begin to be salt to the earth and that we begin to have an impact. Why? Because that's why you're here. You didn't get saved to go to heaven. Now, you get to go to heaven because you're saved. That's good. Like, if we were saved to go to heaven, then go. <laughs> like, altar calls would look a lot different. We would just, J.O., he's a gun guy, you know, you just go, hey, come on up, you want to get saved? Great. Bam, go to heaven. Bam, go to heaven. It's just like, 
That's intense. Pastor Mark, this will be the last time that you ever speak here. Okay, that's, that's all I know. Don't use that analogy ever again in my church. This is the heart church, right? No, but here's my point. Here's my point. Follow me. Why did you get saved and he allowed you to stay here? It says, so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, I want you to impact the globe for me. And I'm going to give you everything that you need. Don't live life on your own. Let me work not in you only, but through you. No shotguns. I'm glad that, you know, with recording, you can go delete that. As you know, I didn't even use that in the first service. It just came, it was either the Holy Spirit or the devil. One of the two. Here's, here's, here's four things. Um, come on, heart of the city, listen to me. This church is one of the most significant, life-impacting, life-giving churches in the region. God needs you to help reach this region all the way to Argentina. Neighborhoods to nations needs you. And there's four things that I feel would be really important words for us today are things that we need to recognize. Why did Jesus leave us here and why is his surpassing power in us? The first thing is this, his surpassing power is to help save them. One of the greatest needs today in the world is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will help and transform the hearts of people other than the power of the Holy Spirit. Like we keep trying to change behaviors of people or voting patterns, if I could be political for a second. You're never going to change the perception of a person until you first change their heart. The only person that can change their heart is Jesus. So if we can get them saved, they'll change their behavior. Do you know every time that your heart beats, someone dies without Christ? I remember when I came to this and I was laying in front of a wood stove in Lake Tahoe and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you give me your heart for the lost? He says, you couldn't handle my heart. He said, because every time that my heart, your heart beats, someone dies without me. That's 6,000 people an hour. Since we started this service, 6,000 people will spend eternity without Christ. Today, 24 hours, 144,000 people will die, spend eternity without Christ. This year alone, 52,600,000 people will die. I mean, you ever think like how big hell's going to be? Like, it's just like, like I'm one of those crazy guys. Like, I, I like reading the obituaries. And the reason why is because I want to ask myself the question, did I know them? God, did you put one of these people in my path and I didn't share? Like, like have you ever thought of it? Like, like, you know, it says that we're going to stand before him and then he's going to separate the, the sheep from the goats. Like, have you ever thought about when you're standing there and you're just all excited to go into heaven and you look over there and there's your neighbor? And they're going, why didn't you tell me? Just go, I was a little bit busy. 
Like, what, what would we even say? Like that person at work that you've been around for 44 years and you've never once said that Jesus loves you? His power's working in us. Like I pray every morning, God put someone in my path today that I can share with, pray with, lead them to Christ every day. And before I put my head on my pillow, I ask myself, did I pray with someone? Did I share with someone? Why? Because lost people matter to God. You go, well, Pastor Mark, I love worship. Listen, when you get to heaven, you'll be with, you, that's all you'll do. Wow, well, you know, I'm a word guy. Well, when you get to heaven, you'll be with the word. But like the one thing we won't be able to do when we get to heaven is reach lost people. It'll be too late. And so there's this idea that we have to understand, okay, this treasure that resides within us is to help us and empower us. You go, but you understand I'm full of fear. It's because your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. You're, I'm full of fears because you're looking at the jar. You're not looking at the power of the Holy Spirit in you that will give you boldness, that will give you the words to speak, that will give you the power to speak, that will give you an anointing to speak. So first thing we have to recognize this is that his surpassing power is working in us to save those around us. Come on, how many could use a little bit more help in that area? Come on. Here's the second thing is that his surpassing power will deliver them. And I think about all the people around us. Society is bound. You, you, you look at what's happening today, the suicide rate. You look at depression, you look at anxiety, 58% of Americans today are taking some form of opiate. 38 millions would say that they're suffering from severe or moderate depression. You look at the addictions. The porn industry is $1.1 billion in America alone. And it's just nice, it's like a casual invite doesn't do that. Like when like, what are we doing to help people when we have an encounter with someone that you see is depressed or discouraged or addicted? Like, what are we doing to, to recognize that there's something in us that can break, that can break, that can deliver? Matthew 10.1, Jesus says this, And when he called unto him his twelve disciples, listen to this, he gave them the power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Like, I love counseling. I love reading. Hey, read this book. It'll help you. What about just relying on the Holy Spirit to deliver them and to break off the demonic power of the strongholds on their life? I was downtown Portland. Um, this was a few years ago and came across a guy. His name was Rob, and he proclaimed to be a white magic Calvinist Satanist Jew. In other words, he was having some struggles. <laughs> And he was begging for some money, and he wanted a lunch. I said, well, let me go ahead and take you to lunch. And I went in and bought him a sandwich, and we started talking. And he knew I was a pastor. He says, you know what my goal in life is, he says, is to rape your soul. And I said, man, I'd love, love that to happen, so let's get together more often, right? And so we begin a conversation, and I begin to share the gospel with him. And I'll never forget the day we're, we're standing in Starbucks. There was a long line. And he looked at me and goes, so when are you going to do it to me? I said, do what? He goes, you know, that, that Jesus thing, when are you going to do it to me? He says, what do you mean? He goes, I need you to pray for me. He says, and he, he, he had 52 necklaces around his, his neck. I'll tell you why I knew that. And there are animal parts and pentagrams and satanic stuff all around his neck. 
And when I prayed for him, I'll never forget, I just prayed that the power of the Holy Spirit would break off every evil spirit in his life. He flew back so hard he knocked about four ladies down in the line at Starbucks, knocked down a counter, and was radically instantly um, saved and delivered, right? And so we begin, thanks for the golf clap. Um, So, Let's go, baby. <laughs> but anyways, that's no, all right. I wasn't looking for a clap. I'm teasing. Let's go, PGA. That's so good. I'm going to use that one to say the Holy Spirit helped me. Um, I sat down with him and I said, Rob, we need to get rid of your necklaces. He says, every time I do try to take one out, a demonic spirit attacks me. So I got this idea and I prayed and I, got, I bought 52 necklaces, 52 crosses. I said, what we're going to do is I'm going to pray... We'll put a cross on, we'll take one off, and we did that 52 times. Rob walks, was rocking around with 52 necklaces, which just say, hey, Jesus, you know, and he's, every person he witnessed to, he would give them a necklace and a cross and pray for them, right? Here's the third thing, and, and I'm almost done. If I could have the, the anointing come over here. And... <laughs> His surpassing power will heal them. I love this. Mark 16, 18. You, come on, say me. me. Will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, I don't know if I can do that. You can't. But he can through you. I was at Walmart. Did I just say that? I was shopping at Walmart. I'll just admit it. And I was at Walmart, and my wife and I are standing in line, and the lady behind the counter, you could tell she was just having this intense time. Tears were in her eyes. And I asked her what was wrong. She says, I have the most intense migraine headache. And she had had it for three days. She goes, I shouldn't be here, I just, but I can't afford not to work. I just don't know what to do. And there's a line of people. So I said, like, like hey, I'll pray for you. God bless you. Like, really? Like, here's, this is a divine appointment. I said, do you mind if I pray with you? You feel the anointing? (laughs) Oh, so good. And I reached over and I prayed. I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And she said, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. She screams in the line, and people, all the other people are looking around. There's this guy standing behind me. He goes, right behind my wife. He goes, man, I got a back problem. Would you pray for me? I said, yeah, in the name of Jesus, be healed. He goes, it's better. It's better. It's better. Like, why not? Maybe next time someone says to you, having a bad day, my back's hurting, neck's hurting, going into the doctor, why not instead of saying, I'll pray for you, say, let me pray with you. Last night at dinner, lady said, hey, one of the people at the table said, we'll pray for you. I said, no, we're going to pray with you. She grabbed hands. We prayed. And it was just this anointed moment right in the middle of the tomatoes or whatever it's called. <laughs> By the way, oh my gosh, I was up about four in the morning like a boa constrictor. We ate so much stuff there, my goodness. But... And then lastly is this, and I'm done. Glad there's not another service because it'd just get crazier. But anyways, (laughs) his saving power will empower them. 
Jesus said to you and me, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and attend church. Like, go and live your life, but don't worry about pouring into others. Like, like I think this is one of the greatest things that God is speaking to the church coming out of COVID, COVID and the pandemic. It's just like, peop, people need people. They need help. They need people to pour into them. As much as we do, so do they. What would it look like if you allowed the power that's within you, that as you lead people to Christ and you see them delivered and you see them healed, that you begin to raise them up and teach them to reproduce. I think that the world would be a better place as a result. Amen. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you uh, close your eyes? Let me just pray for you this morning. And you know, here at Heart of the City Church, we do this every service because every person matters to God. And we know that every service, there's people that walk in that are on a journey. I was on that journey one time. And maybe you walked in here today and you're, you're trying to figure your life out and you just sense emptiness and hopelessness and maybe you feel far from God. You're wondering, like, like how do I get right with Him? And the Bible makes it so clear. The reason Jesus came was to die in your place because we are all sinners and we fall short. Our sins separated us from God. And the reason we feel separated is because we were. Jesus came to bridge that gap. And the Bible said that if we would confess with our mouth that he's Lord and believe in our heart that he died and rose again, it says that we'll be saved, meaning that Jesus will come and forgive you, heal you. He'll come and live inside of you. He'll become the treasure in your jar of clay. He'll give you a new life, new nature. And the greatest bonus is you get an eternal, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and the Father. But he simply says, you've got to do your part. You've got to just simply just say, I need Jesus. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, I just want to give you that opportunity. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed, and we're not going to put you on the spot. But if, if you would just like to acknowledge, this is between you and Jesus, that today's your day saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. Just, just right, right now, one, two, three, just lift your hand up. Just say, that's me. Pastor Mark, that's me. Anybody at all, just raise their hand. Left to right, front to back, anybody at all. Thank you so much. I see you back there. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these few people. Lord, you said all of the angels rejoice in heaven when one person, Father, gets saved. God, we thank you for these people acknowledging their need for you. Lord, there's a party in heaven, Lord, right now, Lord, because they're coming home. Lord, would you help them follow you all the days of their life? Lord, we thank you for it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Do me a favor if you did raise your hand. Right over in the corner over here is a cross with the, it's lit up. There's some people there would love to pray for you. Let me just conclude with this one last thought and I'm done. 
Maybe you're here today and you're saying, um, Pastor Mark, I haven't really been living as much beyond myself as I should. And I no longer want to kind of put my focus on temporal, natural, carnal means, but I need you to pray for me that the surpassing power of Christ would be reignited in my life that I might make a mark. And if that's you, just eyes open, heads up. That's kind of a cool Christian altar call. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor Mark, pray for me. Come on, there's something that's going to happen. And there's more of you. Just put your hands up. I got two hands up today. Lord, we thank you that you're here. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. Lord, that we have a treasure in jars of clay. Lord, you said that it's in us so that the surpassing power of the Holy Spirit might be working in us and through us. Lord, I pray for every person here today that's raising their hands that there will be a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit. You touch them, you fill them, you strengthen them. God, put confidence in them. God, I pray that you break off any kind of discouragement, any kind of insecurity, fear, or anxiety. Father, put a fresh hunger in their heart for you, for your word, for worship. God, for prayer. Lord, we're trusting you. God, that you're doing something great on this earth. God, we want to make a mark. We want our life to count. And so we simply just receive right now Father, all that you have for us, and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Amen.